Welcome, everybody, to Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, the podcast that only got this eel tattoo because it's really into eels. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer, and I am joined, as always, by my buddy, Chris Mosier. How are you, Chris? <laughs> I'm doing great, Jeremy. I like Thanks that, for having me. I like that this podcast always starts with you laughing. Like, that's 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 the trend for this podcast. <laughs> you get me every time. You get me every time. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, this podcast, Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, is uh, dedicated to the show Space... Nope. Cowboy Bebop, and uh, we're going to cover mm-hmm. every single show Space of it. Bebop. Space Bebop is the name of the game. Um, Chris and I are releasing all of these at once to our patrons, so uh, we're not going to go through our normal admins, because you're, if you're a patron, you're, if you're listening to this, you are a patron, so you, you already know where to go and what to do, and thank you very much. Um, if you're yeah, not a patron, you're a patron, you're a pirate, and we don't like you. You're <laughs> so a pirate, <laughs> you're a thief. <laughs> Um, so we're back to cover two more episodes of Cowboy Bebop. We're covering Heavy Metal Queen and Waltz for Venus. Chris, what's your kind of, before we jump into it, what's your kind of opinion about these two episodes? They are the two, it feels like the two most um, stagnated episodes. Stagnated is a, that's a negative word. I don't mean it in a negative way. They don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. There's just like two separate things happening. Uh, and you could say that about a lot of episodes, but it does feel like, the early episodes, it's like a thing happens and we get a new character. A thing happens, we learn a new thing about Spike. Um, these two, it's just like, here you go. It's just two more episodes. They're good, but that's it. You could scrub these out of a, um, if somebody was trying to watch this in, in as quick a manner as possible, not that I would recommend that, you could you could take these out of the list. I, I think so as well. Um, I, it's... I, I enjoy both of them. I'm going to say they... Yeah, they're good episodes. They're really good episodes. Um, after kind of the... Uh, the the history bomb that we got in episode five um and then kind of followed that up with a with a cool episode uh these two are still very cool and like we 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 learned some stuff about the world and i'm very much into vt the space trucker with the the zero g cat uh we're we're gonna talk a lot about zero g pets in this episode i just want to let you guys know ahead of time um but like you're right, like not a lot happens. We don't learn about um, anybody. This very much feels like the uh, the magicians episode of Supernatural, where okay, like, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to take a break. Somebody to- else <laughs> sort of takes center stage. It is nice to see uh, the characters working somewhat competently. Yes. Uh, well, they do get their their ships trashed, but they're able to pull off a few things, and um, the action is is great throughout it. So uh, I will say, they're for, not they're um, not like a bad time. What is the before we get into this, because I, w- I just want to get get rid of it out first, what is the music original? Is the heavy metal music original in this? Because every time it plays, the opening riff sounds so familiar to me, and I absolutely meant to go look it up and then um, time. I believe that this is this is original. This is part of the like the OST whatever by the seatbelts and and um, the composer whose name is escaping Man, me right this, now. This riff is so familiar. If you're listening to this right now, then then just go to monsteroftheweek.cool uh, slash contact and, and write that into us or. You're on our Discord. Just at me on Discord. You know me. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm at Glistening Hunk Sword probably still. <laughs> Glistening Hunk Sword. Yeah. The composer is uh, Yoko Kano. Yoko Kano. Um, but yeah, uh, can you give me your best impression of what that what that riff sounds like? I can't, me? dude. Like I I just I was listening to the new Nine Inch Nails for a lot today <laughs> between E3 uh-huh. podcast, and so I've like I remember it being extremely familiar, but I cannot for the life of me. You can't it. just give me a quick like. No, because it's it's got a it's got a really good riff, man. It, like it's it's something that yeah. sounds. Well, very maybe if familiar. you if you did it at the same time as me, it would be enough to kind of capture that feeling. You know what? I'm just gonna go have a queen to see if I could just find the <laughs> the stupid riff. Oh, this is not. This is. Oh yeah, here we go. Cowboy, cowboy bebop. I don't know what trance. But that's. Is. I mean, so 
Do you need to do uh, more admin on the episode? Because this this is a great jumping off point. No, let's get into it. Uh, let me. Uh, so I guess this, let's let's read this. Read the description, which is the session yeah, seven yeah. heavy metal queen, written by Michiko Yukate. Spike, Faye, and Jet are all after Decker, a bounty head. A bounty head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, in possession of high explosives, they meet VT, a female space trucker, and team up with her to catch Decker on a dangerous chase through an abandoned mine into it um but yeah we start this episode off just with that like awesome heavy metal riff um we're just brought into this this shot of space of like this space highway basically you know the gates that they have set up we're getting this intense metal riff which is different than anything we've heard in this show thus far it's all been you know cool spooky dokey jazz country twang all over the place but it has not branched into heavy metal quite yet and they just ram it right in your face and we see this uh essentially a space truck bulging down space highway i don't know what the verbs i'm using are right now but this (laughs) thing is just it's just kicking some ass uh the riff i just listened to it and it's like uh you know what it reminds me of i don't know if you ever heard of the band secret chiefs three no i haven't um (laughs) It was it's it's a weird offshoot of an offshoot of a band and that was it, I'll 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 send you music later but uh yeah it's sounds it's, like a deep cut it's <laughs> you you probably never heard of it to be honest with you yeah yeah no um, of course but it reminds me of, of of a lot of that uh this is where we meet VT um mm-hmm. and I, I first off I love the fact that there's like space trucks this is this is my this yeah, is my shit space I, truckers. Yeah. I love space truckers. I love space trucks. This this is my jam. Just having shit some, still has to get where it's going. We still need to move cargo in space. Like it's disappointing to we learn. Still that. need to get that delivery from Staples. <laughs> was trying to get. I was kind of thinking that we'd have teleportation by this point, but nope. We've still got to get that Staples delivery into a cargo bin onto a truck and send it over to Venus. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we we meet we meet VT and 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 her cat uh, whose name I believe is Zeros zeros yeah. and uh they, uh they roll into this to this like kind of mid-tier like a, like a mid space station like obviously like a hub like a like a cargo hub mm-hmm. uh it's a way station just, it's a way station and i I just i just love the fact that number one it's zero g so like there's a dude talking to her and he's upside down with mag boots on the mm-hmm. ceiling and mm-hmm. this cat is just kind of floating through the air like it's yeah. so fucking great anytime reminds me of like a combination of Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Princess Leia all in one, because she's just like this huge, just badass woman uh, who's just she's got a lot Tell of. Tell me more about this just, fan fiction. I am, I am into got it. This, she's just, <laughs> I'm at half mask, Chris. That, keep going. <laughs> she's got the Han Solo attitude to just uh, to just really be kicking some ass in here. I mean, she comes in and right away we got this dude talking her up like she's the coolest thing and not in like a flirty way. Like they, everybody kind of respects her uh, and he tries to guess her name. He tries to guess what VT means uh, and he guesses some ridiculous name and it's wrong uh, and he hands her over uh, some cash and she adds it to the stack of woolongs that she's got going. Apparently it's a, it's a ongoing trend for people to be betting and guessing uh, on what her real name is. Yeah, and and also like we we he definitely like respects her because he talks about like oh man I can't believe you made this run so fast and I you know oh I did, and it, and she's like it wasn't even that run it was the longer run that you're thinking of and he's like oh shit <laughs> yeah yeah you're even cooler than I thought uh, uh, yeah she said she hits into this bar <laughs> and you were talking all over each other <laughs> I'm very very sorry go ahead uh, so she hands it Jesus 
she heads into this bar, uh, and she's, this is clearly like a place that she frequents, but she's immediately very grumpy that it's full of bounty hunters. And she makes it pretty clear, uh, right away that she absolutely despises bounty hunters. Um, and she's informed by the bartender that there is a guy, there's a bounty head, as they call him, in, in town. And that's why all these, uh, these hunters are, are in this area. Bounty head is the worst part about Cowboy Bebop. Just the phrase bounty mm-hmm. head. I don't like to say it. That's got to be a real term. I guess I so, but I've, I've, never, I've never, like, I've just never, it's never passed through my brain enough to stick. And I've just, now that I'm hearing it said over and over again, I don't like it. I don't even remember hearing it in the show. So, like, I don't, I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> Maybe I just have a weird thing with this phrase. Uh, yeah. Spike is in the bathroom of this diner, uh, going, you know, yeah. taking care of some business, and also kind of on the phone with somebody bemoaning the fact that he got supposedly exclusive information where this Decker cat would be. But obviously, all of these uh, bounty hunters are there waiting for him. And then, of course, uh, he's basically complaining about that, and also that uh, they don't know what the guy looks like, and that he had to bring Faye, even though Faye would be completely useless. Yeah. Also, Spike is super hungover for some reason. Yeah, they don't like they mention that very briefly because he's going to have. He a, just looks like shit. He just <laughs> looks like shit, man. I, it's actually kind of cool. Like, I don't need to know why or what happened or anything. Like, just the he fact just that this, did, too much. this dude just rolled out of bed. Like, I'm feeling bad, but I got to go make the woolong. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um. But yeah. So we see some more. Um. We see Faye, and she is at. Um, she's at another like local place, another bar or restaurant. It's much brighter in here. Um, this and place all is, this they place have is to go off Woody's, of, by the way, the ice cream place. This place is named Woody's, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all they have to go off is that the the bounty that they're after has uh, a dragon tattoo. Uh, he's the guy with the dragon tattoo. The guy with the girl with the dragon tattoo. And he, um, so she spots, uh, she spots a, a pretty uh, suspicious looking dude. This this ripped out biker looking type. And she sees, you know, this this tattoo poking out on his chest and she's like all right this is my guy so she goes up and starts uh flirting with him thinks that this is this guy decker that they're after uh, and she pulls a gun on him um while that's happening the real decker we i mean we can figure out pretty quickly that he's the real decker is nearby and he's freaking out because he hears her uh, <laughs> he's in the booth behind him <laughs> yeah he's like oh shit <laughs> he's so close that faye tells him to call the cops on the bounty that she thinks yeah. he got <laughs> he's like yep okay <laughs> he's like no problem and jets out the door and of course when he does uh she sees that you know he's actually got the tattoo that she's looking for so he she turns back to the big dude and rips his shirt off and mm-hmm. she's she's like why do you have a tattoo of an eel on your chest and he's like i just he's like, like eels. I just just have a thing for heels so while all that is happening that's our like first thing of action our second uh situation is uh back at the first bar vt is there um she sees a waitress being harassed by some bounty hunters she steps in starts kicking some ass um and we break out into like a huge bar brawl here where we get spike sitting at the at the bar trying to like make his he calls it like a prairie oyster Mm -hmm. it's this weird egg yolk drink thing that he's using for his, his hangover cure you never had one of these uh, somebody i never have i never have either and i don't want to <laughs> um somebody bumps into spike and he spills the egg on his pants so now he's he's got a vested interest in this fight as well <laughs> he messed up, they messed up his drink and he is pissed it's funny and his pants and his pants um and it's right on the crotch too like they make they specifically like mm-hmm. it's right on the like the tip of his dick basically because it's like he's gonna be he's gonna get looks all day is what i'm saying uh 
I know yeah. when I'm hungover, I like to go to a bar full of bounty hunters and pick a fight with a bunch of like mm-hmm. poncho wearing weirdos that are harassing the waitress. Of course, I mean, of just, course, it's that and hash browns and McDonald's. Those are my two hangover cures. Absolutely, those my my two my two tricks. <laughs> Picking fights with bounty hunters and hash browns at McDonald's. Um, so yeah, they uh, they kick some ass, mm-hmm. and um, then we go back to Faye who is chasing after who she now has realized is the real Decker. And they're no longer on foot. I always, they always kind of skip over the transition from, from a foot chase to a space chase, but we're there. It's suddenly it's a space chase and she is in her ship going after him. <laughs> I actually really love this because we see him jump in the elevator and he's like going up or whatever. And then the next scene is just her and her spaceship shooting lasers. It's so funny. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, Why would you ever chase someone on foot? If you had, if you had space, if you had a space, that's, a spaceship? this is very, this is very true. <laughs> Although it seems like this is not like like a common uh, common courtesy to not get in, into your spaceship because it seems like the crew of the Bebop causes more destruction everywhere they go than anybody else because they do shit like this. Yeah, this is this, but this is classic. Like this is classic hero behavior, right? Like I mean, everyone talked about this with mm-hmm. that uh, Man of Steel movie. Everyone talks about this with the Avengers of like, well, yeah, you saved the city, but you cost us thirty billion dollars in infrastructure repair. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. the aliens would have just been peaceful and <laughs> they could just let us take. Yeah. Maybe they had good health care. <laughs> maybe they had us guaranteed. <laughs> basic income we didn't know we didn't talk to him you just shot him iron man the fuck is wrong with he you just drove your spaceship into the mall <laughs> so uh she chases this dude and uh he eventually like throws some weird looking uh device we're gonna find out later this is enhanced nitro uh and what happens is this connects to her ship and basically blows it to smithereens and she's grounded while while he escapes um yeah. and then after after the fight at uh at the diner um vt is kind of watching spike make his prairie oyster and is like uh and, and she's like very much aggressive about not liking bounty hunters not realizing that spike is a bounty hunter at this point uh and she reveals that she's only seen one other person make a, a prairie oyster before and it was her husband and uh shortly after that i think the 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 waitress at this place who has kind of a thing for for spike like reveals that spike is a bounty hunter and vt just is like Fuck you! I never yeah, want to see you he, again. Um, How could you do this to me? I can't believe you would you would betray me in this fashion. Of, uh, a couple of guys come in. It's the old timers from like the first few episodes that we've seen a few times. Mm-hmm. They come in. They try to guess VT's name while that's happening, and Spike wants to guess too. He gets a call from that's from what it Jet is. Yeah, on yeah, his yeah. like walkie talkie, <laughs> just exposes him. So yeah, she flips out at him, kicks him out. And that's when the waitress falls after him. She's like, "Oh no, Spike!" And then she's like, "Oh, by the way, uh, they wrecked your ship." Like those bounty hunters you fought wrecked your ship. We see it; it's covered in graffiti. There's parts ripped out and everything. And he's like, "Why didn't you tell me this?" And she's like, "What do you mean? I did tell you. I just told you. I just told you right now." <laughs> so this is this is two ships down in like one minute. Good job, good job, Bebop. Good job. So do, is this the scene here? Is they, they hitchhike back to the Bebop with VT? Yeah. So uh, basically, Spike just camps out in front of the diner, and when VT walks up. Uh, He's basically just sitting there and like, I'm just trying to look for a ride. And uh, VT's cat Zeros jumps on his head and obviously has an affection for Spike for whatever reason. So uh, it's, that's, what, that's what convinces VT to at least, uh, assumingly, get the re- him, Faye, and all of their chip parts back onto the Bebop so that Jet can, can look at them. <laughs> Which I seems guess. like a big yeah. ask, right? Like, I, look, I've, I've picked up hitchhikers and been like, oh, hey, man, jump in the back of the truck, you know, throw your stuff back there. I'll take you 20 miles or whatever. Like, that's easy. You just hauled a spaceship to another spaceship. That seems a way more Two complicated. Two you, 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 you That's true. You, you Based called, on the opinion of a cat. 
It's, hey, look, the cat is fucking adorable, Chris. <laughs> it's a good cat. It's, it's a, a good very cat. good cat. Um, and they're they're in the they're in the cab with her as she's driving, trying to talk to each other. And there's just insane high volume heavy metal music playing the whole time, so they're screaming at each other, but nobody can hear anything. What I like about this is that they actually really jam out the heavy metal in the mix. Like I had mm-hmm. to like scramble mm-hmm. for the remote because it was blaring out of my speakers so loud. I live out yeah. way the fuck yeah. out in the country. I have zero neighbors, and I was still worried about like my nearest neighbor might hear that because it was so fucking loud it was really great uh yeah i had uh i had my volume turned up to literally 100 while watching this i've never done that with anything before well you keep it, you, you, you keep so it 100 loud. i mean i, I know that about i you, keep Chris. it 100 and the, and the mix in this episode was all over the place and now i realize it was because uh this this loud volume that was about to hit so uh, they get back to the bebop jet kind of looks at this and is like what the hell did you two people do to these ships um Spike is kind of yelling at Faye because she didn't get enough information about what the real Decker looked like, despite her getting like, oh, he had glasses, he had a tattoo on his arm, he had a ship, and his ship had a thing on the side. (laughs) Like, it was, it's a whole lot. Um, And I think that, do they call VT now? So VT is the one who gets a call from somebody else. Auto. Auto Auto calls VT. Yeah, that's right. This is the guy from the very beginning. mm -hmm. He says he just got cut off by somebody uh and dinged up his ship a little bit and he's like trying to get some word on this dude so he can come like you know pay damages to him um and he says like yeah i didn't get a good look at it but the, the ship has a giant asian goddess painted on the side of the ship that's his description of it mm-hmm. um so vt's like all right i'll put out the words to uh all the other truckers uh we learned her name here is heavy metal queen if we didn't already know that um so she calls around. We get some excellent names. Uh, Love Machine, I think, is one of them. Spider Mike is another. <laughs> Sneaky Snake. Uh, Sneaky definitely, Snake. definitely need to refer to each other as Sneaky Snake and Spider Mike for the rest of the podcast. I think I don't think we need to Absolutely. say Chris and Jeremy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so she she's able to get an ID and a location. Um, and obviously she puts two and two together. Realizes this is Decker the Bounty. Mm-hmm. Um surprisingly she calls spike and lets him know um he and he says to for her to stay away from him yes because i think at this point is they've sort of realized like what this dude is hauling with him because vt is like she's located the guy she's now in like hot pursuit of him um but she's a little bit in over her head spider mike i I didn't really understand uh vt's motivation right now because like up to this point she's kind of hated bounty hunters so the fact that she'd be pursuing this this dude um, and also calling in Spike to to come get him seems seems a little weird to me. Like obviously she she yeah. did, like this dude Decker ran into her friend's uh, truck and didn't stop his space truck and didn't stop. But this seems like a little like, excessive because when she chases him, like she fucking chases him, <laughs> like she's mm-hmm. hauling ass, and he yeah. is too. Like this fucking scene is great. I wonder if there is some like supposed to be sort of something in her. Um, I mean, we find out later at the end of the episode that her husband was also a bounty hunter. Uh, and she did seem to really get along with Spike, despite her, her general attitude. Um, so the, there's that, I think, combined with the fact that this dude, yeah, he cut off her friend, whatever, banged up his truck. So yeah, they, they put out the call to, uh, she puts out the call to, to Spike to have uh, them come meet up. And now it's just this sort of like space chase in an abandoned mine colony that's floating <laughs> Yeah, this is this is fucking awesome. Uh, like, this is basically like an abandoned asteroid with a t- with a with a tunnel through it, or the series of like mined tunnels through it. Uh, Spike and Faye come in with their like 
busted up ships that Jet hasn't been able to finish repairing. So like Spike doesn't have yeah. any. Spike has like a little pea shooter. Faye doesn't have any weapons at all. She just has her little grappling arms. Um, and I, and I kind of like this. I, I like the fact that even though it's super fast, like they don't really do a good job of showing that time passed. Like at least they not they're not like Bing, our ship is done. We went to the ship repair channel yeah. and it's now done. <laughs> they're just like they just like fly again, but they can't like do anything else. Yeah. Did you uh did you ever play Burnout Paradise? Uh yeah. Do you know when you like would how you would fix your car? You would just drive through the little repair station. Like that's I'm glad they don't do that, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just like throughout this episode, throughout a lot of episodes, Jet's never really involved. He's just back on the bebop belly aching about everything that he has to deal with, but then taking credit for every victory, no matter what. One hundred percent. I don't think that I I mentioned this. I just want to call it out because I, I've got to go find a way to to give it because I couldn't find it online anywhere. But. uh there's What's a moment sneaky snake? where they're uh, they're loading up all of the what Spike and Faye is loading up to to go to to chase after VT and Decker mm-hmm. when Ein the the corgi is just kind of floating off the the floor and he's just running <laughs> yeah. like he's like dog paddling but it's through the air and Chris I just want this yeah. to be my avatar everywhere for the rest of time. Yep. 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 Everything that dog does in the show is just it's it's beauty. It's art. It's art. That's art. It's absolutely art. Uh, so we find out that he's carrying a lot of enhanced nitro, and uh, now that he's been banged up a little bit, it's a little bit unstable. And also, they're in a mining satellite that's been abandoned. So obviously, this is not a good thing. Um, they they run through <laughs> and to chase this dude, and uh, they ended up getting trapped. Right? Yeah. Um, Did I miss something? So no, oh, yeah, because they. Decker ends up. I did. Uh, yes, he ends up step. basically getting wrecked. Yeah, yeah. He wrecks his ship. There's a big explosion. Uh, he gets killed in the process, so they lose the bounty on him. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, Woody Allen. It makes the whole R.I.P. Woody Allen makes the entire uh, mine shaft that they're in totally unstable, and then they get caved in on either side. And that would be one thing that they're caved in, but uh, because of the the nitro or whatever that's that's loose, this unstable chemical that's now floating around in there, it's only a matter of time before the whole place explodes. So they need to now work together to with their limited resources to, to try and get out. And it's actually VT who comes up with the plan. Um and we see we like cut to Faye using like the pincers mm-hmm. on her ship, picking up the explosives out of the back. Very much like the Decker's arms from, from Alien, like the Alien mech where Ripley fought that uh yeah. that, that that alien, which I, I can really appreciate that. That's pretty nice. And so now they need to figure out a way to like get it to where they need to go blow it up without anybody getting blown up in the process because it's very, very sensitive. Uh, so Spike has the ingenious idea that he's just going to say, oh, okay, just drop it in my cockpit. I'm going to launch my, my cockpit out. That can't be cheap, by the way. That has got to be an expensive piece. It's gotta be, I understand that he... It's got to be at you least can, a thousand eat. woolongs. At least. Yeah. You can eject out of, your, out of your cockpit. That's cool. But this that whole unit has got to be expensive. Um, it's like getting the inside of your car remodeled. But he t- he shoots out of that um, in a very daring move. I love just this. jumps out. He just plugs his ears, holds his breath, and he just jumps out towards um, VT's truck. And she, you know, sticks her arm out and grabs it. Meanwhile, um, well, wait, Faye wait, 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 wait to- because she she sticks his arm out, her arm out to grab him, and he misses, and he kind of careens off yeah. the side of the ship. So he does what anybody that's about to be exploded in zero G does. He uses his gun to propel himself in multiple directions mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm, back to VT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course, because that's how physics works. That's definitely he how physics works. shoots his gun in the other really direction, great. is able to kind of like stabilize, hit hit uh, a surface, kick back off of it, and then make it up just as Faye is able to drop the explosive yep. 
into Spike's cockpit and then it shoots off and explodes. Um, he's able to get inside just in the nick of time. It's all very heroic and dramatic and um, kind of unnecessary. This whole episode is unnecessary, but this whole scenario is, is very fun. It's like, okay, we have like 22 minutes to get these three characters trapped in an abandoned mine shaft that's about to explode. What do we do? <laughs> and so they just do some shit and then they have this exciting moment where there's an explosion. I feel like at a certain point, somebody just wanted to draw a, a mining asteroid exploding as ships escape it. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, as we talk about with every episode, like this episode is, is extremely gorgeous. And all of this like exploding, this the trucker battle between VT and Decker when he like releases his thing and like blows up her, not that blows up her ship, but like blows up part of it and she crashes into him and it causes the whole like the, the whole wreckage that kills him. All of that is so mm-hmm. goddamn beautiful. Like it's just, it's just, they, it's animated well. It's colored well. It's just so good. Yeah. Um, sometimes when there's not a lot happening, um, plot wise, there's just a lot happening visually, and that's again, this is one of those episodes. And I think the next episode has a lot of cool uh, visual imagery throughout it too. Um, but yeah, so Spike, it, he while floating like upside down at zero G in VT's truck after the big explosion, and everything they're all saved, everybody's okay, they escaped. Um, he's, he's floating upside down. He sees a locket floating in front of him, and he grabs it, tosses it back to her, and now he can guess her true name, which is Victoria. Uh, T-E-R-P-S-I-C-H-O-R-E. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm looking through the Wikipedia so I can try to figure out how to, how to spell it. Um, let me just go to her page, but it doesn't even say it on this Wikipedia page for the session. So, oh yeah, Terpsichore. Terpsichore? Maybe? Sure. Sure. Terpsichore? Um, that's not important. He guesses her name. She reveals that her husband was a... Uh, bounty hunter and spike seems like he yeah i already know of that guy he's kind of famous um so he starts to piece together like you know okay i like this is why you hate bounty hunters yeah i like this moment here too because um as as she as he says her name she brings up like the wad of cash or whatever and uh he only grabs like a dollar from it or like one wulong or whatever or or maybe 20 or whatever and he's like yeah send the rest of it to your husband so he can get some prairie oysters in heaven or whatever and i'm like Spike, that's not how yeah. money works. That's not how Wulongs yeah. work. Spike, come on. But it's nice. It's a nice. It's a nice gesture. Like, oh, obviously, like you were, you were in the family because you were a cool bounty hunter. So, like, I'm not going to take all of your money or on a technicality, right? And I, uh, I think that this is sort of explains her motivation. You know, she, she was always in it too. She held this grudge, but it was more of a, I don't know, like a just, just something that she, a facade that she wore to hate on these people who work in this line of work that got her uh, husband killed. But I think at heart, she kind of just, she was a bounty hunter too. She saw that Spike was a good person and had, she had no reservations helping him, but also I think that part of her just really wanted to be involved and like live through that again. I don't know. I mean, I can imagine it uh, because Spike seems to say that like, Oh, you guys worked together before he died or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. and the picture definitely that they showed definitely seems to apply that as well. So I can definitely see her missing the life. Much like two certain hunky brothers that we know who can't stop quitting their Absolutely. job. Um, so I, I can definitely see like her not wanting to fool with this, like not wanting to put up with her day, her day and day. But when she gets caught up in an adventure like this, it, I bet it, it kind of captured her imagination and she just ran with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you have any last thoughts on this episode, Spider Mike? No, uh, <laughs> no sneaky snake. Yeah, that's a fun episode. I, I often forget about it because it doesn't have a lot of plot, but. 
with Kabobibop, you don't always need it. Yeah, it's it's a it's just a fun adventure. Like I'm I'm already mm-hmm. kind of excited to rewatch this at some point, um, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm just really looking forward to kind of just watching stuff blow up on screen. Like, and VT right. is a cool character. She has a very cool design. She has a super cool cat that hangs out in zero G. Um, I, it's just it's just fun stuff. And all of the like side characters, like we only see um, you know uh, the love machine for probably five seconds or something on screen, but they fully realize this cockpit. All of the different yeah, truckers yeah. have like different. Um, you, you can you can feel their attitude or, and their personality coming through with like what's decorated all over their cockpit. Like I think Love Machine has like nudie magazines sp- spread out all over the place. Yeah, it's like nudie magazines and then like plushy like stuffed animals like stuffed <laughs> yeah. into a they call basket them, or something like in the in the future they call them plush lights is what they're called plush lights interesting <laughs> interesting um but yeah there's always a lot of care taken to like flesh out the world for no other reason than just to flesh out the world exactly. like hey let's just show there's these these trucker types who have their own code out in space and they do their own things and they brush up against bounty hunters in this way because the only people ever interacting with our bounty hunters are the people they're after or like the their informants or something yep. um so it's interesting to get get an outside perspective on on the way that uh, bounty hunters are perceived in this world. This is Session 8, Waltz for Venus, written by Michiko Yukote. After collecting on a 1.5 million Wulong bounty, Spike gains a fan in Rocco Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo? Rocco Bonnaroo. Rocco, a small-time gang member, stole a rare and valuable plant from his own gang. Spike finds it's more valuable than he is, but Rocco has a different plan. Um... I I really like this episode. This one... Me too. It's not as... uh, I feel like this one explains more about the world than uh, Heavy Metal Queen did. Like I, because I could picture w- when we started watching this, like I could already picture space truckers being in this. Like I just kind of got the vibe Definitely. from this. Um, this this whole thing, this idea that Venus has been terraformed and it's fine. Like we can all go hang out on Venus now, except for some people who get the Venus sickness and it's almost mm-hmm. impossible to cure without spending a lot of money is really fascinating from like a socioeconomic point of view, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. makes this like cat, like weird class system in my mind that I find really interesting. I'm like, that's how I want my science fiction sometimes. I want to explore like this, yeah. Yeah. the different strata of, of life. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, but uh, reading The Expanse, uh, one of the ideas in The Expanse is that you know, on Earth, which is way overflowing population and it's one of the richest planets in the system, you can you can buy all these weird augments, um, and you can easily get plastic surgery to like fix any problem with, with that you have because everything's so cheap and, and affordable, and it's such so cheap and affordable that rich people disdain it. So like if they have a fucked up lip, they won't get it fixed because it's a it's like a class thing. Like I'm so rich, I don't huh. have to worry about my my cleft palate, right? That's really cool, actually. <laughs> like it's a weird like it's a weird reversal on that. And also read the Expanse because that's just okay, good. Okay. Okay. Um. So the very first thing that we get in this episode, it's like we're on an, uh, an airplane, an airport, you know, or space equivalent of that. It's a shuttle. Um, and the first thing that we hear is like the voiceover, um, you know, over the speakers coming in saying like, Venus sickness is a potentially fatal illness. Like warning to all the passengers like, hey, I know you're coming to Venus, but like just FYI, potentially fatal illness if you're just like the wrong kind of person uh, and you might, it's potentially fatal because you might potentially not have enough money to cure yourself of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Which is pretty, pretty, pretty dark. It's really um, dark, and it's, it's and the way that it's presented in, in this voiceover is just really clever. Like it's it's not anything new, but like it's it's just a really good way to provide you with this information that's going to be extremely important. With, <laughs> yeah. without a character literally looking at the screen and telling another character about it. Right. But it's also the first thing that we hear, which is interesting. And because there's action like immediately after it, and this happens a lot with Cowboy Bebop where they seed something really early on and then they just sort of ignore that for a while or they just walk away from it or distract you with something else. Uh, and then it comes back later and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they mentioned that earlier. Um, but we see like right away we hear that and then like some hijackers pop up, they pull guns and they um, are hijacking the, the shuttle. Uh, we see a kid sitting in the back, or a young man. He's not a kid. Yeah, this this uh, is gonna be Rocco. Yeah, hey, he's he's hiding something, and he's immediately like ducking down, like oh shit, oh shit, why me? I mean, like, why now? Yeah. Why me? <laughs> then suddenly we hear like, hey, you there? Like whatever, and he's like, oh shit, they spotted me, and then we just the, the camera pans out, and we just see Spike like they're sleeping with a uh, eye mask on. <laughs> I love this. Closed. Yeah, this is great. Like um, Spike just chilling out on a trip to Venus is really some of my favorite shit in the world, and uh. He just he just so easily takes out these two dudes. Like it's just yeah. it's almost lazy the way that he does it. He's half asleep and he's like, you know, stretching his arms in a yawn, but the, he's like punches the dude, gives him an uppercut. Uh it's hard to tell if he's doing it on purpose or not. I'm sure that he is, but it that's just his style of very much not giving a shit and just extremely laid back, literally half asleep and being like, "Oh, sorry man, my fault." Um and while this is all happening, Faye busts in, she's his backup. Uh, and I think is, this is the first time that we see them select uh, successfully uh, take in and collect upon a, a bounty. Yeah, Faye takes out their the third the third hijacker, this woman, and she just gasses her, I think, and she, the woman drops. And sure enough, they land the plane and like collect money. Like Spike walks up to what is basically a, like a credit machine and puts in his card and like gets a bunch of credits on the card. We we finally yeah. did it. It's it's session eight, everybody. We finally did it. Session eight took eight episodes. They finally got paid, and and Faye immediately comes up to him. She wants her half, and he's like, "Right now, okay, fine." Uh, and he gives it to her, and then she just immediately he asks if she's going off to the casino, and she's just like, "Nothing ventured, nothing gained." We don't know if that's literally what she's doing, um, but she just sort of wanders off, and I think when she comes back, she doesn't have any money. Yeah, so. she definitely went to the casino, and 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 which is weird because when we first meet her. And in the early session, we, we, we find out that like she's an expert card player, right? Like, we, so I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe there is something secret there. Maybe you're maybe you're being sly mm-hmm. because you've that you, is weird. You've, you've <laughs> seen something that I haven't seen. Um, I want to I want to talk just a little bit about the way like I love the when because Spike got all of the credits on this like weird plastic card looking thing like you might expect, but then you know Faye wants her share. So he brings out like a basically like a card sharing device and she slides her card in and he just trans it's like it's like mechanical Venmo is what he was doing, which I really, yeah. I really yeah. dig. It'd be like if I literally had to be standing next to your it's iPhone to Apple Pay. You. Venmo. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so while this is happening, I think the kid, uh, Rocco, is that his name? Rocco? Let's Rocco, say Rocco. Whatever. I think Rocco. I think Rocco is Rocco. He spots, uh, Spike. He's like, oh, that's that, that dude from the, the plane. And either he's just like, this guy just got paid, so I'm going to rough him up. Or he's like, let's see what happens here. But he pulls a knife on Spike and like charges him, tries to, to pickpocket him. And Spike immediately just disarms him and drops him on the ground. Just to say real quick that um, right before this, uh, we see we see Rocco at the at the counter like sending something to the desert for five thousand wheelons right. and kind of arguing over like how I can't believe it costs this much. But yeah, Spike just immediately disables this dude like without even like without even breaking like, literally not even breaking a sweat like barely moving much less breaking a sweat right yeah he's just like hey leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, this kid chases him like Spike gets in the elevator. 
and leaves and this kid like follows the elevator down and like finds spike at the bottom and he you know, the dude's all panting and sweaty and they walk outside <laughs> i was not expecting this but like when they walk outside spike's voice gets extremely high because apparently yeah. there's a lot of helium in mars <laughs> It's a helium in the in the air. So would you, if you don't take a certain pill to like counteract the helium, then you just talk like you inhale the balloon. Um, but while we're here, there are a lot of establishing shots of Venus done, like when they're first landing in the airport, mm-hmm. and it really does set the tone of this high class, not necessarily resort, but maybe a tourist place. Like this is this is the your your best face that you were showing to everybody who's going to come and visit the great Venus. Um and we've seen Tijuana, which is like, you know, a, a rundown area. We've seen uh these asteroids and different planets, Mars and the each area is defined so differently. And this seems like a very like upscale place that you take your kids on vacation. Um but as you were saying, there's also this sort of economic disparity. And we're going to see it later when we go to see where Rocco's sister is staying. And she's literally out in an abandoned ship in the middle of a desert because it's free to live there. And it just shows, you know, the disparity between the citizens who live here. Um, but there is still this this front that is displayed to us uh, right at the beginning. I also want to just, just real quick while we're, while we're here camping mm-hmm. out on, on what Venus looks like. Like this feels very... Um like middle eastern to me uh like yeah, like all yeah, the architecture sure. and stuff feels like dramatically different from what we saw on mars and it gives me like it does it does a lot of it, it carries its own weight in like implying how these planets were colonized and terraformed right because you could see that for instance if um if north america colonized mars like it would be remade in the image of what we imagine north america to be versus if the Middle East, you know, colonized Venus, like it would be, they would use that architecture and they would use those, those themes and the, the, the stuff from their culture to, to create this, this new planet. Absolutely. And I find that really, really interesting. Like, I, I, I think we've seen earth already. Like, I feel like we've already been back to earth once. Um, but I kind of, it just makes me want to know more about the history of this world. Like, I don't need to know it. Like, and I probably would get bored if you told me, but it makes me excited to know about it. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, they they do just enough. They do just enough hinting at different stylistic choices. I mean, we've even seen like we there's one area uh, that is based on Tijuana, like literally. But there's also there's like a Hong Kong style place that they've been to. All these different areas that are based on different cultures, and it being an anime, that's one of the easiest things to do. They mm-hmm. they create a new location. Okay, let's base it on a different culture because we can. Um, and yeah, knowing how these things got here might be really interesting. Um, but we don't need to know it. We're just, it's just hinted at, and then we move on. Yeah, I don't need the prequel comic book, but I just I kind of just want to know in <laughs> general. Um, so we flash back to the Bebop where uh, Jet, who has got his own share of money, has bought some food for Ayn, which is very, very cute. I just always... He buys him some like, fancy dog he food. He buys some fancy dog food. That's nice. Didn't even go for the cheap stuff like you would expect. They're, they're, oh. they're, they're big oh. spenders because they got that 1.5 mil. <laughs> yeah. Um, a mil would be ill, as my as my friend Sage Francis likes to say. Um, <laughs> back on Venus, uh, Spike finally gives in to Rocco and is going to show him like some some moves. And yeah, uh, this this kid has been hounding him nonstop like since he saw him. Like, please train me some of your martial arts moves. Yeah, and uh, Rock, uh, Rock he tells Rocco like attack me with a knife, and Rocco's like I'm going to shred you, and he's like just attack me. And of course, <laughs> you know, Spike just does the 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 classic like use your weight against you jujitsu kind of stuff and just throws him down on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. And Rocco is blown away. He's like, how the hell did you manage to make this happen? I don't understand. Yeah. 
It's just like, you know, you're tense, I'm calm. You have to be like water, um, which is like, you know, a common enough martial arts trope, I guess. Or, uh, and But the Spike just plays it off so cool. He's got one hand in his pocket and he's saying like, you can be, you know, uh, soft and soothing one minute or calm or whatever. And then the next you're just a, a rushing, powerful torrent of energy. And um, he really sells this kid on it by, by doing so very little. And as he knocks this kid down, you know, we see Rocco sitting there looking up at the, the bright blue sky, just thinking about what um spike is has told him but yeah so he he actually does seem to be taking what spike is saying seriously uh but then he he knots uh or he spots some dudes nearby and he kind of freaks out so he he stands up he takes this package that he's been hiding the whole time he shoves it into spike's hands and he's like hey thanks for the lesson uh i gotta go meet me here in two nights uh or meet me at the cathedral at the edge of town two nights from now uh, i'll see you then okay thanks bye and then he just takes off yep uh which is obviously odd right (laughs) but i like how spike is just like this happens to me all the time like i I, i'm just going to just going to roll with this pretty much for the most part and just just kind of ride along with it um yeah uh on when he's back on the bebop they uh they find out pretty quickly that this this plant um that rocco found rocco stole this plant that cures uh venus sickness and rocco and the three goons that were chasing him were all part of a gang and they all have bounties out on his head um uh-oh yeah uh we're gonna do some back and forth here like we're gonna go back from the bebop to uh rocco being chased in the streets the all of the street chasing scenes are, are extremely cool and I, and I love them like it's filled mm-hmm. with so much character like everywhere they go they're knocking stuff to the side and people are reacting to it and all, it's not um I always I always think about the uh like early assassin's creed games where like five guards would do the exact same animation <laughs> at the same time to attack you or whatever yeah. uh it's definitely not that like everyone's reacting very naturally to it and over the top and you know hesitate to say anime style but like they're all reacting individually which i, I find very yeah. very interesting yeah um, it's a nice touch for sure back on the bebop like spike and Faye are kind of arguing and Faye is like well the plant is worth like 10 million wulongs and these dudes are worth like two hundred thousand. Uh, we should definitely go do that, but but Spike wants to go chase uh, Rocco, and he wants to go try to yeah. find Rocco. He wants to figure out what's going on, and and I missed the part where Spike gets the the tip to go find Rocco's sister. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. He said he's just going to go to the desert, and I didn't quite understand this unless he picked it up at the airport where he where he was sending the thing. But I yeah. I, I, I didn't quite understand this. Maybe this is maybe we just both were looking at our notes or something. We both happened to miss yeah. it, but I, I didn't I didn't understand that either. So. They get a tip or whatever. Spike figures it out. So he heads, he flies out to the desert and we do get another really cool shot, um, which reminded me of that shot in the force awakens where you see the, um, star destroyer, uh, or the death star. No, yeah, the star destroyer buried in the sand and it's like kind of forgotten. It's become this ruin. Mm-hmm. And we have that same thing here. There's just this old ship that kind of crashed out in the desert somewhere. Uh, and there's moss overgrowing it. And it just, it looks really cool. It's a really cool set piece, but spike pulls up to it. And rather than there being this big, I expected there to almost be like a large community of like the homeless or something who were Me too. These, yeah. this like a leper colony or something of all these people living here. I think Jet said something like that when, when Spike was leaving. It was like, you don't know, there could be all kinds of crazy people living out there in those abandoned ships or whatever. Like it, they kind of, I really thought we were going to see like a secret society in the desert of like, yeah. you know, an impoverished community that can't afford to, to live in the, in the lavish. And maybe, know, that mm-hmm. maybe that all was, maybe that all was there. And he just asked the right people and sure. you know, that stuff was cut for time. But the image that we get, is that there is just this one girl living there alone, waiting for her brother re- to return because she's too poor to to have the disease fixed for her. And um, Spike goes in, 
and uh, we get a shot of her first, just knitting, and then she she runs off. He walks in, he sees that she was knitting, but she's not there. She comes up behind him, pulls a gun, and then realizes, oh, she's she's blind and and she can't see Spike. Yeah, and um, I, I really like this. This is not a this is a wrinkle that I was not expecting. Um, up, up until this point, I just it's real easy to pigeonhole Rocco as a you know as a kind of a small time thug. Mm-hmm. Um, that would take advantage of an opportune situation and and steal something valuable, and then you know when he see, when he knows he's about to get caught, try to like get this relatively trustworthy bounty hunter to kind of hide his shit, right? Um, but yeah. this kind of made me made me a little bit more interested in Rocco because she's blind because of the Venus sickness, right? Because of these things that fall like snow right. from the ground, yeah, right. Um, because some of it, whatever whatever is in the air, like it affects some people and it doesn't affect others. Uh, and she, you know, that she makes tea for him and they like sit down and they talk. She shows him the music box that um, Rocco had sent her and Spike immediately opens it and plays <clears throat> this really pretty tune, which of course she can hear, but she can't see that Spike also finds a, um, I forget what they call it. Is it gray leaf or something? Gray. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a packet of seeds basically. Yeah. I guess it's, and I, I didn't quite. I think it's called gray ash. Like I think it's, and it's, I didn't understand the difference between the plant and what this is and why, because they say later that the gray ash is more valuable than the plant, but the plant helps is really, is really rare. And maybe the plant generates gray ash. I didn't, I didn't quite understand. It doesn't matter, but it doesn't, it doesn't. But yeah, I I just always assumed like the seeds were the seeds of the, of the plant, um, of the plant, but I don't know. They don't really make it that clear. Sure. Um, but she's, you know, this is going to be what's, what can cure her. And uh, so he's actually like being a criminal with a good motivation, which is, which is always kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's always nice to have that. Um, while this is all happening, while she's, I mean, she's having a conversation, she shows, shows Spike the music box and she says she, that he has a good heart. Um, or she says that Rocco has a good heart despite the bad people that he runs with. And she says she can tell that like her brother, Spike also has something beautiful inside him. Uh, and Spike says, something beautiful, huh? I'm afraid I lost that a long time ago. Because Spike has to be emo at least once uh, of course. every couple episodes. We gotta get our emo caution up into this episode. Uh, um, which I definitely appreciate. As as an emo. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Meanwhile, uh, Faye has decided to go after the, the leader of the gang, which I have written down as Picoro, but I don't think that that is right, and I'm going to look up the correct pronunciation immediately. It is Picaro. I was absolutely right. So we're oh, just yeah. Picaro. Yeah, Picaro or something. Yeah. <laughs> Picaro, yeah. Um, so she's going into a bar. She's basically hunting down leads to try to find the head of this gang. She walks into this bar, and of course, she's a she's you know she's Faye. She's a, this beautiful woman. So all of the the heads in the bar turn. She marches over to this guy and basically starts beating the shit out of him. Which, mm-hmm. and then once everybody pulls their guns on him, she like blasts all their guns out of his hand. And a really cool like like oh we thought this chick was going to be weak, but she got on she got the better of all of us kind of moment. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, while that's happening, we also get a scene of uh Rocco in the bathroom just like taking a leak. He thinks he's escaped, and then the the, the thugs finally corner him. Yeah, absolutely, and. uh I think this is the part where Spike goes back to the bebop and Jet kind of fills him in on this gray ash stuff. And, uh, and it's, then it, this is where we find out it's worth even more money and it's super rare or what have you. Um, we, and at this point, like it's kind of bouncing back and forth between these different plot lines. We go back to Faye who has got a lead on a, on a hotel room 
and she bursts in and two men are in the bed making love with each other. Neither one of them know anything about this Picaro guy or yeah. P- Picaro guy, even though she shoves her gun directly into this dude's mouth and he's like trying to talk. Yeah. And he's like, what yeah. are you saying? Um, yeah, uh, Faye's been fed some, uh, some bad information, some bad information. Uh, this next shot where we go back to, um, is this where, because, because the, because Rocco had gotten beaten up by the, by Bacaro and he like puts the cigarette out on his mouth on it, not on yeah. his mouth on his top of his forehead which is like vicious and then he escapes right to go meet Spike well I think that they're sending him to go meet Spike because you know he, he breaks oh, and he's okay, like okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah okay I gave it to this guy he's gonna meet me at this place at this time uh, so he goes and he meets Spike there um, and eventually you know he reveals that he's a bounty hunter and he reveals that he met Stella Rocco's sister uh, and and Rocco freaks out at first, and then he realizes like, oh, this guy actually is not—he's not a bad guy. He he wants to help me. Um, so he he tells Spike to just to run. This is a setup. Um, but it's too late at that point. Guns are drawn. Faye shows up in her shit. Obviously, starts shooting. Of course, think, uh, Jet even shows up at a certain point and starts shooting at his shit. Everybody, everybody um, shoots everybody. Uh, I do want to talk about big thing. B- before we get too far past it. The the scene where. Rocco is walking into the cathedral to meet um to meet Spike. They do mm-hmm. this like pan from uh from right to left of and you can't see Rocco at first because as the this kind of you know series of arches is obscuring him and as it pans across like the arches are going towards the the, the back of the frame and while Rocco is walking forward and so as it pan across like you see this like great scroll while while he's walking up and it's Man, it's just it's one of those shots where like if it was a movie, I'd be like, holy shit, who did this? Like, I want to watch more yeah. of this guy's movies. Yeah. And wow, like it's just like it's just remarkable that this exists. And like, I don't, I don't want to say in an anime or whatever, but like it's just it's remarkable that this this fucking quality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really a uh, sets sets a high standard for for the medium. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I've talked about on previous episodes, like in a market, I guess that kind of pushes for this stuff to be churned out as quickly as possible to meet the demand of the industry, uh, the anime industry. It's nice when you get something that, you know, time and care was, was taken, um, that it isn't just part of, uh, the big grind where you end up with 900 episodes of Dragon Ball Z because they just have to keep going. They have to make up for uh time where the manga isn't being written, but then Cowboy Bebop is outside of that whole churn of the industry. And it's just something very special for it. Yeah, this is, you know, I think we've said this before, but like, give me 15 episodes of this, um, as Absolutely. opposed or 23 episodes of this, as opposed to a hundred episodes of anything like, I, and I feel, I think you and I both agree with this on supernatural too, for as much as I like the, like as much as I like having more supernatural, I would, I would much prefer having half the, the episodes and having them be mm-hmm. twice as good. Like if that, if that right. ratio makes sense to people, sometimes it doesn't, especially for network TV, but for something like this, and it may not, it may not make sense for something like this. If you depending on the budget, depending on the demands, depending on how much money it has to make, depending on how many DVDs they want to sell or whatever. But man, it's just, it's so nice to get to a product that is obviously such a artistic expression of what somebody wanted to do that feels Absolutely. like it doesn't have like money tied to it in any kind of way. Like it doesn't feel like it had to, like it feels like somebody let somebody do this. Right. Yeah. Uh, and even the, with the way that it is, I don't think that bebop was a success in Japan. I think it was critically, um, well received, but I don't know if it had much popularity because it didn't really meet those usual flashy standards uh that the public wants to consume i think when it came over here it, it, it is very western inspired so i think sure, the western yeah. audience easily enough grabbed onto it anyway 
Um, yeah, we don't we don't go into it a lot, but because um, I think it would just it would just drag down the podcast. But a lot of stuff like is is given homage to in this in these episodes. Like yeah, there are shots and, and themes and stuff directly out of uh, kung fu movies or western movies or what have you. So, um, yeah. so back to the fight. Faye has showed up. She is blasting everybody. Spike is like, you could have just a little bit of fucking subtlety, my girl, please. You're, yeah, you're yeah. almost shooting me. Um, and all of the goons are trying to shoot at um, either Rocco or Spike. Um, and then they finally start rushing in. And one of them like uh, basically rushes Sp- Rocco to try to like tackle him. And Rocco does the move that Spike taught him. And like, you mm-hmm. know, flows like water, flips the dude upside down and looks over and Spike has given him like a thumbs up. Like, yeah, dude. And then Rocco is immediately shot through the chest. Yeah. And um, we see the, we see the bullet exit the chest. He drops the plant that he was holding the glass that was surrounding. It breaks the plant shrivels up and he lands basically on top of it. Yeah. And it's in moments like this that we always see, you know, Spike acts like he doesn't care even when he's showing up, but he immediately like yells out for him and like runs over to him. And he's like, it's going to be okay. Like I'm going to get help. Like, don't you die. You're going to be fine. Uh, like he in these moments of panic, Spike really seems like he gives a shit about these people. Um, mm-hmm. and he and he basically talks to him while he dies and and promises him that you know your sister's gonna be all right. Uh, and and Rocco just has this really sad line of, "I wonder if I had met you earlier in my lifetime, do you think that we would have been friends?" He says it by like after Spike has already run off, he just says it to himself. He whispers it and then he dies. Um, and that's sort of the end of the fight. Yeah, and uh, Spike runs off to the hospital, we should mention. Like, he doesn't just leave. Yeah, he doesn't just leave. He's going to get help. <laughs> Peace! I'm out! See yeah, you next time! <laughs> Spike sucks, is man. out. Later, um, later on, uh, Spike does arrive at the hospital where uh, Stella is there, and uh, she's she's talking about how Rocco sent her the medicine that she needs and the money that she needs to be able to afford a treatment and that her eyes are going to eventually come back um, and asked if Rocco was going to come visit her and why he hasn't. and. Uh, when Spike is silent, she reaches up and touches his face and very quickly realizes the truth that he's dead. And um, I found this kind of kind of weird because at first she says, uh, well, if he's dead, he must have been doing something wrong with those with those guys that he was with. Um, mm-hmm. But then it immediately turned around. It's like, was he really a good guy? Like, actually curious, which I guess doesn't, isn't weird. Like, I, I guess she's probably just processing grief or what have you. It's just. A, yeah, she's just struggling with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he must have died because he was doing something wrong. It's just that I never got to see Rocco, uh, Rocco, sorry, once with my own eyes. What was he really like? That's like super sad. Like, she lived her whole life. She's finally going to get to be cured, but she, she never even got to see him alive. What was he really like? And, um, Spike says, y- you know better than anyone without looking. He was a terrific guy, exactly the person you thought he was. Which is such a thoughtful, nice thing for Spike to say. So many cool guys, tough anti-heroes, don't say stuff like that. He literally says he was a terrific guy. He was exactly the person that you thought he was. He, like, hold that memory in your heart. Like, that's that's very, he was a very good person and he loved you a lot. Like, not, he doesn't say all that. But that's what he means. And it's just sure. like, Spike, you're so fucking nice. He doesn't, he doesn't say all that because he's emo and he doesn't, he can't he can't be that, that sincere all in one go um i i, I think that it's r- remarkable like the connection that he made with god I, I really hope it's rocco and we're just not getting that wrong this entire episode I, like we're just gonna i thought it was rocco but okay. it doesn't really matter <laughs> just we, I, we listeners if if you're mad at me i'm sorry i just kind of steamrolled chris on that so i, I yeah if it's, <laughs> if it's actually rocco chris was right and i was wrong please send all your hate mail at at local bones on twitter that's where i yeah, live yeah um, so. yeah most of the time i don't bother to correct anything uh, sure. unless it's yeah. like i feel like it's a big thing like a monster of the week or whatever because like who gives a shit yeah. <laughs> like, 
me interrupt like if it comes up a lot and it's just consistently wrong maybe but like if you're just saying like a person's name wrong once in a sentence i'm not gonna be like well actually jeremy because you know we gotta talk about stuff we gotta keep the conversation flowing we gotta (laughs) we gotta get past that weird wednesday energy (laughs) (laughs) um but I find it remarkable how much of a connection that Spike has made with these this, Absolutely. these two siblings, and um, how how sad he looks as he leaves and tells her tells Stella that that um, Rocco was a was a terrific guy. Like he he looks genuinely emotionally taken back, and as he walks outside and he you know he goes to the marketplace and um, the music box music is kind of playing over yeah. all of this. And I didn't realize it was like that that theme that they use all the time yeah, at the yeah. end of episodes, but it's mm-hmm. in music box form, so it's really really cool, really twinkly uh, and pretty, yeah. And this the scene of, of Spike walking out into to like the twilight. There's you know the sky is sort of gray and yellow, uh, and he's walking through the marketplace, and all those like Venus flower things are are floating down. Those white petals basically are just like drifting, and the, the the screen like pans back to show him you know Spike walking, and he and he looks up at the sky with all these flowers falling everywhere. Uh, and it's again just a very visually striking. It's very pretty, and then when it gives you the the tagline or at the end see you space cowboy it's not over the black screen it's over this sky um and the way that they're able to use the same like end title card effectively like when they do it like most of the time it's just see you space cowboy on a black screen which even that is unique and it's iconic now like everybody mm-hmm. knows that um anime doesn't really you know nothing really pulls off like a like a cool little like thing like that you know um so whenever they change up that formula, whether it's saying a different phrase, which I think we got easy come, easy go the first time we yeah. met Faye. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even now, just seeing it not on the black screen, seeing it over the sky, it's it, it just it's very affecting. It is. It's extremely affecting. And, and it makes you think about, uh, I don't know, it made me think about as, as all these weird flowers were falling. I, the only thing I can think of is like, who is going to get sick from that and who isn't, right? Like, who is going right. to have the Venus right. sickness? who's going to be able to afford that? Like I had all of that stuff in the back of my head as I was processing, you know, trying to figure out what spike is thinking at the same time of like, what is he thinking when he sees this? Did he, how much of himself did he see in a, in a young Rocco that just needed some guidance in his life? Mm-hmm. that was, you know, had obviously fallen into like some easy money paths, but was genuinely concerned about his sister and wanted to help her and had, had some sort of moral integrity to, to be able to do that. Even if it was involved with stealing something like he would, you know, stealing for the ones you love seems like a very spike move. And yeah, absolutely. I think all of that stuff is, is extraordinarily well represented in just these final shots. And of course the CU space cowboy it's, it's weird because space cowboy is a, to me, it's a very humorous phrase. Like it's a, it's a yeah, very much yeah. of a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very distinct visual in my head. Like I played a lot of Starcraft back in the day. And like, I feel like those dudes were like space trucker, space cowboy kind of dudes, like the, mm-hmm. the, the Terrans or whatever. And I get that kind of vibe when I see that phrase, but here it's using it. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like it, it, it invokes the loneliness of the like an old western cowboy of a like the lone ranger Absolutely. or um or you know yeah. any number of of western movies that you can name where it just it's just one dude riding through and trying to help people or not or just trying to forget his problems and that's makes it feel like spike has a lot more depth than than mm-hmm. i i mean we've we've implied that before but like it makes it it makes me makes him grow into that i guess Absolutely. Yeah. I keep saying absolutely. Um, the, and especially, you know, we, we just had all this hustle and bustle about this plant and, and, and the struggle between these people who were afflicted by a disease and, and afflicted by circumstance. Uh, and then we're greeted with 
the 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 flowers falling that cause all these issues that cause people to fall ill but it's such the, such a beautiful scene and like even after everything that's happened where she's been cured and and uh Rocco's been killed this the, these these flowers are still there this venus sickness is going to just continue to happen because that's just the way that the world is and spike is looking at it and it's beautiful the way that we see it but it's still very um it's evocative i guess it's 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 extremely good. <laughs> it's it's, yeah, it's very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I love this show so much, Chris. Thank you for it's introducing me good. to the show and I'm, for I'm convincing really me to do this like podcast. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any last thoughts, or you're good? You want to do some admin? No, yeah, this is a, a, a two two great episodes, and I'm I'm happy that we ended up sort of talking about the, this one in particular, um, Waltz for Venus. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, it, it does feel like it, it could just have been another whatever episode, but um, there's a lot of depth there at the end. I'm into it. Um, if you're listening to this, thank you. That means you're a patron over at Monster of the yeah. Excuse me, Patreon.com slash Monster of the Week. I should go ahead and um, make a Monster of the Week dot cool slash Patreon link so I keep fucking that up. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for supporting us. Thank you for allowing us to do this Monster of the Week present series. We're going to do a lot of these. Uh, we have a, a lot of ideas, not just this. Um, thank you for Two Mellow from Two Mellow Makes dot com for the intro and the outro yeah. of music. We really appreciate that. Um, I don't think we have too much more. I'm at JG Greer. Chris, you're at Local Bones on Twitter. You can talk to us both at MOTWCast if you feel like talking to the podcast. Um, That's really about it. So uh, see you, Space Cowboy. See you.